Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Uh, but I'm really excited. I have something really strongly on my heart to minister today about. And man, I'm excited about it. Are you excited? Yes. Praise God. It's always fun when you hear from heaven, isn't it? It's always fun to hear from God. And, and I tell you what, there's something about just living a life where you're open to whatever he wants to say. Whatever it is you want to say, Lord, I'm here. I'm going to hear it. And I've already made the decision. If I can see it in your word, I'm going to put it into practice in my life. You realize that there's not a single thing that the, the word instructs us on, that the Lord would lead us to, that is for our detriment. Everything that he does is to bless us. There's not a, God doesn't have a bad bone in his body. He doesn't, have a, he doesn't have evil Tuesdays or any of those days where he's just got it out for us. Everything he does and says and every instruction that he has given to us is for our benefit. And the eternal perspective is it benefits and blesses our life. And not just in small ways, but in massive, huge, enormous ways that we can't even comprehend right now. And a lot of times, you know, it's easy to fall into the trap where you think, well, if I don't see what's in it for me or I don't see how it's going to work for me right now or even how, what it's going to mean in the next five years of my life. Listen, eternally, it, it, these, these things, you realize the things we're learning now, we're going to be walking them out, not just in this life, but in the life that's coming. We're, we're not going to get a new Bible and new instructions. We're going to live by the same principles then as we are now. We're, we're already living in eternity, if you didn't know that. And so the principles we're learning now and God's word now is just as real today as it will be a thousand years from now. And so we just need to accept these things and let the Lord speak to us and just be open to what God has. Amen. So I'm excited this morning about, um, about this topic. Like I said, I felt really strongly about this, uh, the topic this morning. Turn with me to 3 John. We're going to look at the, uh, the second verse here in 3 John. It's only one chapter, so it's not hard to find. Go to the book of Revelations, hang a left, you'll get there. Third John, the second verse. Praise God. I'll wait till there's no more pages turning. Beloved, and he's talking to believers here. This is uh, John writing. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Recently, I, was, I did a series on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and I didn't finish it. I will finish it. But uh, we we're talking about healing and, and uh, uh, the fact that God wants you healthy. Isn't it good to know God wants you healthy? God, and when I say healthy, he wants you completely healthy. He wants you to be healthy from the top of your head to the soles of your feet and everywhere in between. He wants you vibrant and alive in every single area. He's not okay with any part of our life not being healthy. Our bodies, he wants it all healthy. That includes our minds, includes all. He wants us healthy, amen? But this verse starts off with, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. So yes, health, he wants you to prosper physically, but he wants you to prosper financially as well. God wants you to prosper financially. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy right there. It's God's desire that I would prosper in all things and be in health to the same degree that my soul is prospering. 
That's unlimited. He wants my soul to prosper, my, my mind, will, emotions, the, the, the emotional makeup of who I am. He wants that to prosper. He wants my spirit man to prosper. He wants, he wants me to be like him. Not to be God, but to achieve. Remember the scriptures talk about that we would walk in the unity of the faith in Ephesians 4 till we come to the fullness, the stature of Christ. When he wants you to prosper spiritually and in, and in your soul, I mean, we're talking about the stature, the measure of Jesus himself. I mean, that's mind-blowing, right? And he wants you to be healthy to that same degree, but he wants you to prosper in all things. This actually, this word prosper here is actually talking about business dealings. If you look at the original Greek, it's actually business dealings. This contains talking about finances and money. And so this morning, I want to talk about a subject and my title. I've, always, I've said for a long time, you know, I'm not good with titles, and I realize you have what you say. So I'm good with titles. And so I'm, I'm making the right confession. I'm good with titles. But I had this, the title in my heart for today is Money Matters. And I know when you say the word money in church, sometimes people get a little uncomfortable, a little, uh, a little upset, and, and uh, you know, we ought not be that way. So just to put us at ease, let me tell you a little money joke. Is that all right? All right. No? All right, let's, get, let's move on. Uh, so there were, there's this lady gets on, a, gets on a train after a long day of work, you know, and uh, she's had a long day. She's tired, and so she just wants to rest. Everybody been on a flight, and you just want to rest, and people won't leave you alone. Anyway, so she just wants to rest, and so this gentleman gets on there. He's a lawyer. Always oh, got to pick on lawyers. Lawyer gets on the train with her and next to her, and, and he's wanting to talk, and he said, hey, he said, let's play a game. And she's just trying to get comfortable, and she's like, no, I'm not interested. He said, it's an easy game. I'll tell you. You ask me, I'll ask you a question, and if you don't know the answer, you give me $5. And you ask me a question, if I don't know the answer, I'll give you $5. It'll be fun. We'll occupy our time. She said, listen, I just want to just rest, relax. He said, okay, how about this? We'll make it even better. I'll ask you a question. If you don't know the answer, you give me $5. You ask me a question. If I don't know the answer, I'll give you $500. She thought, well, that's, that's good math, first of all, and, and I probably can get him to be quiet. So he, she said, sure. So he asked the question. He said, uh, uh, yeah, he said, he said, what's the distance between the earth and the moon? And she, she just picked up her pocketbook, reached in, pulled five. She wasn't even going to give her the time to even answer, pulled the $5 out and handed it to him. And he, he, was, like, he was all excited. Ah, I got her. I stumped her. And, he, and she said, well, what's your question? She said, what goes up a hill three ways and comes down four? And he's, like, hmm, he's thinking. And so he's, he's, he's going to get this question. So she just kind of dozes off to sleep. And he's thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And then he's like, well, we didn't talk about rules. And they didn't say I couldn't call somebody. So he calls some of his lawyer friends. And, and he's asking the question. And they don't know. And he's looking on his smartphone and he can't find the answer. And so like an hour goes by and he's just stumped. So finally, you know, he's just like, I, I don't know the answer. So he just pulls out five crisp $100 bills and just hands them to her. She sticks it in her purse, kind of late, you know, kind of like she's going to go back to sleep. And, and uh, he was just mad. Well, a few minutes goes by and she gets up. She realizes her stop is next. And so she gets up. She's getting her stuff together. He's like, wait a second. Wait a second. What's the answer? She pulled her pocketbook out. She grabbed $5. She handed it to him and left the train. <laughs> Anybody see where I was going on that? Anybody see? All right. <laughs> now they're all relaxed about it. We said money and $5, even amounts. We're all relaxed now. But uh, I want to talk about uh, finances this morning. Like I said, I was uh, really excited about this. 
And I know this can be a touchy subject. I know this can be a subject that uh, uh, can cause a lot of different emotions and people get a lot of different responses out of it. And uh, there's been a lot of resistance in the church world about the topic teaching of the money and prosperity. And I have to admit, there's been a lot of abuses on it as well. And before we go any further, you know, we just have to acknowledge, you know, that that abuses of, on any subject is wrong. You know, anytime there's a truth in God's word, the enemy wants to pervert it and wants to twist it and wants to uh, uh, manipulate these things. And unfortunately, there have been ministers, preachers over the years, and we all know instances and situations that have taken the subject of finances and prosperity and done a lot of harm to the church and said things, done things, acted in ways that are just not right. I've probably told this before, but I'll never forget when Amy and I were in Jacksonville, we had a... Um, a guest minister that came through and, and we didn't have a whole lot of guest ministers uh, that came through, but this particular individual came through. If I said his name, every person in the room would know who this person was. They would recognize the name and uh, he came in and, and honestly, I can't really remember much about the message specifically what he talked about, but at the end of the message, uh, he had everybody stand up and he said he was, he said, he, he said he was being directed of the Lord. You know, when somebody says they're being directed of the Lord, you need to check your Bible and make sure they're being directed of the Lord. And so he said he was being directed by the Lord, and he said he had been given a great healing ministry and a healing anointing. And the Lord had instructed him before the service that if every person, any person who would come up with a $100 bill or $100 and pay him $100, he would pray for them and impart that healing anointing into their life. How many know that? That's, that's an abuse. That's monetizing the gospel. That's monetizing the anointing. And I'll be quite honest with you. Your boy, Pastor Greg here, was no small amount of being very annoyed. I was, I was extremely upset by this. It really, really, really irritated me. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, people just not knowing what to do, people jumped up because if, like I said, if you knew who it was, you'd be like, oh, I want that, you know? So people were digging in their wallets. He even said, if you need to borrow money from somebody next to you, borrow money. I mean, it was bad. And so, you know, I just sat there and I'm like, I am not moving. I am not getting out of this seat. Well, then, you know, it, it ended up, there had been a lot of pressure and, and I was kind of forced to do it. And uh, so I went up to and I gave that hundred dollars and I'm like, boy, you better, because I was put in a position where I had to do it. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of abuses like that. And you can just quickly say, well, you know, uh, preacher, preachers and different things, they're all corrupt. They're all, there, there are some corrupt ones out there. There's some that are really gifted at preaching and prophesying money out of people's pockets and into their own, right? That's their biggest gift. But, you know, having said all of that, there's still some biblical truths where the area of finances are concerned that we've got to be open to. And like I said, I know it can be something that is upsetting and disturbing to people, but, you know, we've got to be okay with hearing what God says about things. And really, you know, my purpose this morning is not to get an offering out of people. And a lot of people, a lot of times when you talk about money, people think, you know, they're trying to get, they're trying to raise funds. They're just trying to get somebody to give them something. That's not my heart at all. There is a truth here attached to the subject. We read here in John, third John, it said, I beloved, I would pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's a pretty amazing statement. And we know that, yes, John wrote it, but it was inspired by the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God himself is still telling us today that he still today desires that we would prosper in all things. And the word used was business affairs in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You know, how we receive things is such an important thing. 
as I was just kind of thinking about some things and getting some things together, the Lord said this to me, and this is kind of a paraphrase. He said, uh, he said the measure that is how you receive it will determine how you walk in it. See, the enemy has put a lot of resistance and a lot of people have fallen trap. Unfortunately, a lot of ministers, ministries have, have fallen prey to abusing money and abusing finances and different things that have happened. It's caused people to have a resistance to hearing the subject. If you're not open to hearing something, then you can't really walk in it in your life. Amen. I said, if you're resistant, you really can't walk in it in your life. You know, when you read the parable of the sower in Mark, the book of Mark, when you read the parable of the sower... Um, it says, you know, the, the first type of seed that produced was a seed that was received with gladness. It was, if you read in Mark, it said it was received with gladness. Didn't said you, you can't receive it with madness. You have to receive it with gladness. Now said eventually the root, you know, things came in and choked out the word. That's an indication of a lack of consistency in putting things into practice in your life. But you can't put into practice in your life what you never receive in the first place. If it never gains entrance to your heart, then you can never put it into practice. And so it won't work for you. And you can receive something with gladness and yet not follow through with the, the details and mechanics and the obedience of something and miss out on what, it, what God has for you. Both are required. I just want to challenge you. Like I said, my heart is not to manipulate anything. I think you all know me well enough. That's why it's important you don't just, just listen to everybody that's out there. Like I said, if I were to tell you the name of that minister that, that we were there, everybody would know the name. And you don't know how they live. You don't really know what's going on. You, you have to be careful with what you're open to and who you listen to. But I think, you know, our, our life, our family, and the things that, that we've lived in front of everybody, we, we, we don't have a desire to manipulate. I believe there's breakthrough available for every single person here. I said, I believe there's breakthrough for every single person that's here. And I know there's a temptation. I know it because you do realize I'm up here and I can see faces out there. And I know it all that there are, there are times there are people that are just not, they don't want to hear it. They just are over it. I don't want to hear it. Maybe it's because manipulation happened to them in the past. Maybe it's because somebody else lied to them. Maybe it's because they think they tried it and it didn't work. There are, sometimes there are things we think, and it's, we would think it's a temptation to think, well, I tried that and it just didn't work. Well, if God's word says something, and if his will makes it clear, he wants us to prosper if we've tried it in a different works, we just need to try it a different way. Maybe we need more understanding. Maybe we need more, more clarity. Maybe whatever the issue is, it's not on God's end. It has to be on our end. And he so desperately wants us to walk in these things. God is, he is, this is not a small subject to him. God is passionately interested in your prospering. So he's passionately interested in your prospering. And like I said, I believe there's some answers. There's some breakthrough for some people uh, about some of the things. And I'm not going to be able to finish today. And I know there's even people listening online or, or listening to the recording. and think, oh, he's talking about money. I'll turn that one off and go to the next one. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. And so if you're tempted this morning to, to check out on me, please, please don't do that as well. Go to uh, Psalm, or Romans, rather, chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. In the 16th verse, you know, I was getting this ready. My initial thought was I would kind of cover some preliminaries here and then move into some specifics. You know, the title Money Matters is really a twofold title. And the first would be Money Matters as in money is important. And also Money Matters as in the details of money. Money Matters, Money Issues. 
And uh, we'll get to both of them. I really thought I'd kind of just hit the money matters, the importance of it real quick and move on. But, but the Lord just kind of had me pump the brakes a little bit. We need to make sure that we have a proper understanding of these things. You know, if, if and I'll just say this too, no matter what level of, of prosperity you're experiencing, there's more for you. Anybody out there? I mean, you know, that should be good news. No matter how blessed you are, there's more blessing available for you. And we can get in, and at some point we will get into some of the, the scriptures and the words that are used and what they mean. But we're talking about a prosperity that God has for you that is beyond your wildest imaginations. And people think, oh, you know, that's the people wanting to, preachers wanting to manipulate. No, no, no. This is God's word. And we have a responsibility as ministers, but we also have a responsibility as believers to know the truth, to understand the truth, to walk in the truth so we can demonstrate the truth, right, for other people. And uh, it says here in Romans chapter 1, anytime you talk about one of these subjects, you know, there's this question where people are going to get upset, people get offended, and, and hope no one here will today or no one listening. But look here in Romans chapter 1, the 16th verse. This is Paul writing. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. That gospel of Christ, that's the good news. And it's the power of salvation in every area that it's pertaining to. Salvation is more to do than just our eternal salvation, but salvation of mind, body, will, emotions, and even finances. The gospel of Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. Do you think Paul had a little bit of pushback from time to time on some of the things he talked about? Do you think Paul got any pushback? Yeah, Paul got pushback. They tried to kill him at different times. Pushback is one thing if people don't, don't like something or they turn their nose up or they, I'm not listening to that. But real pushback, they start throwing rocks at you. If you brought rocks, just tuck them back under the seat. You know, don't, don't pull them out this morning. Or shoes or anything. No, don't throw anything at me, right? But Paul had a lot of pushback. He said, listen, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, as, as ministers, my job, my, my role, my position, I am required of the Lord to instruct, to guide, to lead. And, you know, the Lord doesn't give me the ability or the, well, I guess I have the ability. I have the, 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 the uh, legal right to do whatever I wanted. I can make my own decisions. I can say whatever I wanted to, but I don't have the moral right to do that. I don't have the right to change what he said in his word. If you go anywhere where they do run, right? I mean, we don't have the right to change what the word of God says, period. We don't have the word at all to, to change this. And, um, I've got a responsibility to, to, to present the truth, but you know, the Lord takes these things really seriously. You know, I remember brother Hagen, he, he, you know, obviously had a ministry for 60 some odd years. And in the beginning of his ministry, he pastored several churches, 12 different churches. And, uh, I think each church, he only pastored for more than just no more than two years at a time. So there were short stays and in each of these different churches he went to and and uh, you know, he started off as a Baptist minister, and, and he, he would fellowship with the Pentecostals because they believed in healing, you know, and so he would fellowship with them. And, and the more you hang out with them, he started hearing some other things. He heard about the baptism of the Spirit, you know, and, and he started hear, hearing about even the subject of prosperity. And, and of course, he always said he, he, he got the left foot of fellowship out of the, amongst the Baptists because they didn't want to hear those things. And so, uh, but you know, he realized it was a touchy subject, and he said there was this one church he was at that the Lord would deal with him on a regular basis to talk to him about tithing and giving and finances. And he just didn't want to do it. 
because there was such resistance, he just didn't want to touch it. And so the time came and he went on and moved somewhere else, moved on to something else. Well, when the time came for him to move on to the next phase of his ministry, the Lord wouldn't allow him to do it, but sent him back to that church to talk about finances because he didn't do it the first time. You got to do it the second time. Getting, being sent back because it's the right thing and there, there's something in it for you or, or it's the will of the Lord is good. Getting sent back because you didn't do a good job, that's not the, a good thing. And he said, you know, the Lord had dealt with him. You had put these people at a hindrance. You've, you've shortened them. You've, you've, you've withheld with them. You've cheated them in your ministry because you didn't want to talk. You were afraid of what they were going to say. So much so that you didn't present it. So he sent them back. You know, I have a responsibility, but as believers, we have a responsibility. Has anybody ever had somebody make a comment about the church you go to that it's one of those, those churches and they believe, or ask you about finances or, or and they want to, and they, they criticize the church. You, anybody, any hands in the room? I've had people say things to me. I believe that's just passing. People are moving past some of those things, but we've heard things over the years and you know, religion is a terrible thing. Religion is an awful thing and, and people have all these ideas that aren't true. Well, we need to know for ourselves what's right and embrace these things and, and make sure. I mean, Amy quoted the scripture, read the scripture in Romans chapter 12 about renewing our mind. We've got to get our minds renewed to the word of what God said about the area of finances. We have to do that. How are we going to answer people's questions if we don't know the answers ourselves? Right? How are we going to answer people's questions if we don't really know how to apply those answers in our own lives? It's an important thing that we know, an important thing that, that we walk this out. You know, there's been such resistance to this issue of finances. You go back in the very beginning, the first murder that happened was over money. We're talking about the second generation human beings on the planet. Adam and Eve's children, somebody got killed over an offering. The devil has opposed this from the beginning. Why? He wants us broke. You know, the devil wants you broke. He doesn't want us, you know, it takes finances to do, to accomplish the will of God. It took you finances to get here, didn't it? Is it the will of God for you to come to church this morning? Well, it took you some finances to put money in the, in the ga- or gas in the car to get, it took some money to do it, right? Well, he wants, he wants the gospel to be withheld, but even more so than that, he just wants us to be miserable. When you're living in a position of lack, it's a miserable place to be in. When there are things on your heart to do, especially as a believer, if you're born again, there's the love of God. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart. And when you love God, which means you also love people, there is an immediate response to want to do something for God to express that love and a desire to want to do something for people to express that love that you have for them. There's that desire, right? When you agree, I mean, you just, you just want to do those things. Well, if, if a person stays in a position where they're financially destitute or poor, then they can never be the blessing God has called them to be. Not only do they miss out personally, but even their heart's for f- fulfillment never really happens. Yes, there are things involved in the ministry that don't require finances. We'll talk about some things, but, but it, finances are required. The devil wants us to not uh, look at these things properly. He wants us to make sure that we are uh, not reacting properly and that we are uh, hesitant about this subject. There's a lot of objections about why people talk, shouldn't talk about money. People say that you know, money is the root of all evil. You do realize that's a misquote. Money is the root of all evil. Go to, go to 1 Timothy here. Well, let's look at it together so you don't have to think Pastor Greg is quoting scripture wrong. Let's read it out of the, out of the Bible. 
First Timothy chapter six. Like I said, I'm really excited this morning. I believe there's answers for people. Everybody say this. God wants me blessed. God wants me prosperous. This isn't a selfish thing. This isn't, this isn't a, this isn't about me or about you. This is all about the kingdom. This is all about our father. This is all about being who God has called us to be. There's a scripture I love that talks about walking worthy of the Lord. Paul was praying, said, I pray that you walk worthy of the Lord. You realize in this area of finances, there is a way to walk that's worthy of the Lord. And there's a way to walk that's not worthy of the Lord. It actually does the Lord a disservice if we live below what he paid for us, how he paid for us to walk. Right? But the enemy wants us to be, to be you know, hesitant about this. No, God wants to set us free. But it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 6 in the 10th verse, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. There's a lot of things we could talk about here. The love of money, maybe we'll get into it another time, but the love of money is an awful thing. It's a terrible thing. Money is a tool. Love of money is a problem, right? Money is a tool. It's something you can use, something that can be, is, is used gold, money, resources. There, there's something that you use to do things. But if you put it in its wrong place, have the wrong affection, the wrong heart towards it, it can actually destroy people. And it says here, it says, for which some have strayed from their faith because of money, a love of money. Some have strayed from their faith, being involved in greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So the idea that you shouldn't talk about money in church because it's the root of all evil isn't, isn't, isn't true at all. It's the love of money. And what better place to talk about issues of the heart? A love for money is a heart issue. It's not, a, it's not an object issue. It's not a resource issue. It's a heart issue. Right? In the Bible, it, it, it's all about heart. Our heart is what's important. Our heart is the most important. The Bible said to guard your heart with all diligence above everything else. Guard your heart. Why? For out of it flows the issues of life. There are issues of financial life that will flow out of your heart. And that's why you never want to just shut down and think, well, I just don't want to hear this because I I just don't like this. What does God's word say? Not what Pastor Greg says, but what does God's word say on the subject? What does it, what, what does the Bible say? It's a heart issue. And another uh, objection, like I said, I've already talked about the fact there's been a lot of abuses over the years and different things that have happened. We just want to make sure that we're talking about things correctly. We just want to make sure we're talking about things correctly and uh, being honest with ourselves and with the Lord. Amen. Go with me over to uh, Philippians chapter four. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Man, it is already 1150 in the morning. Philippians chapter four, verse 15. It says, now you know, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church share with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. He, he said, uh, for even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. 
Verse 18, indeed, indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things you sent or sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. In verse 19, a verse we all love, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to God, our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. We love those scriptures. We read those scriptures. But notice Paul's heart here. He said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek what? The fruit that abounds to your, your account. I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. You know, attached to our giving, there is fruit that abounds to our account. Not just for tomorrow, but in this life as well. There's fruit. When there is fruit that abounds to your account based upon giving, that means there's also fruit that won't be there if there is no giving. Right? If, if, if an apple tree will produce apples... And if I want apples, so I plant an apple tree to get apples or with that knowing that it'll, it'll produce shade, does a lot of things, but it also produce apples. What if I don't have an apple tree? I won't have any shade and I won't have any apples. Huh? How about them apples? Steve said, right? And, uh, so the, 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 there are blessings attached to giving and our finance. Like I said, I'm just really doing a lot of just saying, hey, we need to make sure our hearts are right and we're looking at this right. And I know these are things that we've heard a lot. If you've attended for any length, you've heard these things, but it's easy to get out of the lane uh, uh, of being personally involved and invested and making sure your heart is right. The devil wants to challenge you in this area every single day of your life. He wants to challenge you in it. We'll, we'll look at some different things about different uh, areas of stress and different things, but he wants to challenge you here. But Paul said, he said, listen, I seek not the gift, but the fruit that abounds to your account. Sometimes we don't realize the background when Paul wrote this. We don't, people don't understand the situation Paul was in. Paul was in prison. He was locked up in one of the worst, dirtiest, grossest jail cells that there was. He was in a very bad situation. Now, as a Roman citizen, he could get mail. He could get different things. And in fact, people could send him money. Now, he didn't have any access to it, but the Romans would gather his money together. Any money that was sent for a Roman citizen. If you're a Roman citizen, you had no rights. They would do nothing for you. They cared less about what happened to you. And so he could send mail. He could receive letters, but people could send him finances. He couldn't touch it until the day that he was released. And so he wrote them. He said, listen, I'm, I have it all and I abound. He was like, listen, your, your response, what you've done for me is such an uplifting thing. It wasn't just the finances for Paul that ministered to Paul. It was the belief they had in his situation that ministered to Paul. Because the money that came in, if we, and if you study it, the money that came in wasn't like 20 bucks. It was a large sum of money. People would send money to Roman citizens who were locked up in prison. And the purpose was it was held aside until that person was released, if they were ever released. Now, if they were never released, I guess the Romans just took it. I don't know what they did. But if the person was ever released, and it was an opportunity to restart their life. Imagine being locked up for a year at a time or two years at a time and, and you can't work, you can't, you can't do anything. If you're a business person, your business is shut down, your, your contacts are gone. I mean, your life is, you, you, when you get out, you have nothing. And this was a way that people who cared about the, the prisoner could send them money, store it up, store it up so that if they ever get released, they'd have something. This, the, the, the church in Philippi, the Philippi, the Philippian church, Believed so much in Paul and that he was going to get set free. They sent this money and it was a large amount of money. What, what an awesome thing. It's good to have good, faithful brothers and sisters, right? 
who believe with you will stand with you. He said, listen, I'm full. I have everything and I abound. I've received from Epaphroditus the things you sent for me, a sweet smelling aroma. We read that scripture in light of, you know, giving is a sweet smelling aroma to God. It is a sweet smelling aroma. Because that shows the heart of God towards somebody. They were responding to him out of love. And he said, in response to their giving, he said, and my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So our heart is important in what we do as on my end and on your end. We've got to be excited about these things. We have to be excited about what's going on, right? There's a purpose behind this. Amen. I'm looking at the clock and boy, we're not going to have much time to get very far, are we? Praise the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Money matters. Like I said, it's a twofold application, two sides of it. The, the importance of it and uh, the, some issues concerning it. And uh, let's just look here. Money matters in life and money matters in the church. Meaning it's important in life and in church. Um, you know, I was thinking yesterday, the time that's spent, most people work eight-hour jobs. Well, I guess now it's maybe a little less, you know. I guess I think normally the average work week was 40 hours. I think now it's 34.4 hours a week people work. But traditionally, eight hours a day is the normal work week. And eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, I mean, we're talking like 2,000 hours a year people spend at work. People are at work for what reason? What's the primary reason? Money. Well, well how, well, how do you know that's true? If the money stops, the person doesn't go to work there anymore. You ever notice, you know, people at work become like work best friends. Oh, they're my best friend. They're, oh, we're just buddies. We're work buddies. Are you that much of a friend or do you just like the paycheck that you're getting? Because when the paycheck ends, suddenly the friends, well, see ya, right? Why? Because you got to go find somewhere else to work because you need money. It's a, it's a pursuit in life. It's something that people are consumed with. If it takes up that much time, people spend oftentimes more time with their work and their fellow employees than they do their own families. More time with those people than their own families. And it's all because there's a, there is a need in this natural world for income. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So it's a right thing to work, but you need resources. Once again, if we can't talk about something you spend eight hours a day doing five days a week in church, then what we have a problem. If we can't talk about it here, we shouldn't be doing it outside the church. Right? Well, obviously, we, we do this, so we have to talk about it. I looked up about reasons why people are stressed, things about people that stress people out today. And this is according to the American uh, Psychological Association, and it lists the top 10 factors of stress. Do you agree we, have a, we live in a very stressed culture? Stress is the number one leading cause of death, or stress-related issues. And they have the top 10 re- reasons people are stressed. I'll read, the, I'll read four through 10, and I'll read the top three last. Number four, family responsibility. 60% of people said that's stressful. Relationships, 59% of people said that was stressful. Health problems affecting my family, 56% of people said that was a stress. Uh, number seven, personal health. They're more concerned about affecting others than themselves. But personal health was a 55% of people said that was a stress factor. Eight was housing costs. That's also related to income, finances, 51%. Uh, job stability, also related to finances, was 49%. And then personal safety was 30% of people said personal safety was an issue of stress in their life. Do you have any idea what the top three were? Number three, the economy. 69% of people are stressed about the economy. Number two, at 74%, 74% of people are stressed about work. 
their jobs. Now, you think, well, that's a little different than what they listed for. It's got some different aspects to it. The number one thing is just plain and simple, the word money. With 76% of people are stressed about money. We have to have answers. We've got to answer those stresses in our own life. The gospel is the good news. We've got to have good news about this. And we'll look at this in a minute. Some I'd never really, never really even noticed before. The gospel, the good news is good news about resources, about finances. The number one reason uh, that marriages or the top three reason for marriages failing in America, uh, only behind number one, a lack of commitment. And number two was too much conflict. Number three was money. Why marriages fail in America. Number three reason is was money. Do you think there are money issues in our culture? Do you think there are money issues in the church? Why? Money matters. How we handle it, what we do with it is such an important thing. We've got to hear this. We've got to have sound, biblical, God-given perspective on the subject of money. Wars, the number one reason for wars has been economic gain. Number two is religion. Number three was politics. All three need Jesus, right? (laughs) All three need Jesus. But the number one reason for war, historically, this was National Geographic, did a study. A number one reason for wars, historically, number one has been economic gain. All about finances. All about resources. Listen, the subject of money is a trap. And we get to live above that trap, amen? We get to get a hold of what God's word said and live above the trap that the enemy has for us, right? I tell you what, the answer for all of mankind's problems is Jesus, and that includes money. There's a lot of uncertainty right now about economic stability. There's a lot of people questioning what's happening. A lot of people that are, that are having issues and having problems and worried about money. Anybody know anybody? We have to have an answer for this. I said we have to have an answer for this. You can be worried about your own life. Listen, you, you, you need to know there are good ways to spend your money, and there are Bad ways to spend your money. Going to the horse track is probably not the best way to spend your money. Getting the, now, getting the weekly scratch-off tip, ticket might not be the best way to spend your money. Well, Pastor Greg, I just do it for fun. It's all fun till it isn't. When that scratch-off ticket is your ticket to the next level, you might have a problem that might be a bad use of your money. There are other areas that are a good way to use your money. Buying food is a a good way to spend your money. Eating out every single meal may not be the best way to spend your money. We have to have a budget, yes. But at the same time, you can't can't have the budget control you, but you have to have a budget to live in. There are wise ways to spend your money. You know the best investment you can have is giving into the gospel, sowing into the kingdom. The Bible tells us that laying up treasure, right, this, we, re, we read in Philippians where Paul said that in, in connection with to their giving, my God, not maybe, my God shall supply some of your need. No, he said all of your need. My God shall supply in response to their giving. My God shall supply all of your need. Not according to Paul's ability because he didn't have any. He was in jail, but according to his ability, his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 
Well, that sounds like now you're getting into, we want your money, Pastor Greg. Is the, no, this is what the Bible says. In the worst economic situation, there are people, still people who are making a lot of money. I think the 1930s was a period where you had more millionaires sprung out of the depression than any other, one of the, any other times in our history. In the middle of one of the worst times where people were jumping off of buildings in, in, in New York City when the stock market crashed. In that same environment... More millionaires were birthed out of that than any other time. Well, I don't know about you, but I would love to be, not, it's not a dollar figure, but I believe it's God's will that all of us, as we enter this stage in history, what's happening here, you, you do realize that, that, that the kingdoms of this earth are not going to last forever. Have you read your Bible in the, in, in the, in the book of Revelation? Uh, the United States is not mentioned. You do, you, do, you do know that, right? I love our country. I love our nation. I've traveled enough. I, I'm so grateful that I live here and not in Botswana. You know, I mean, I, I love Botswana, great people, but thank God I was, I'm here, right? But America doesn't exist. It's not talked about in the millennial reign. It's not talked about in, in end times. And in the, in, the, in, the, in the ages to come, all the nations of the world will be God's. All the nations will be his. It won't be the United States of America, Jesus Christ. It'll just be all his. You do, you do realize that. So there's none of these things are, are completely stable. Nothing is 100% stable. And we're living in times, there's a lot of instability, a lot of rumors. People are saying that, that they're expecting a major recession to hit our country in the next couple of years. It, am I predicting it? I'm not predicting anything. But what I am predicting is God's faithfulness. What I'm saying is God is always faithful. Now, like I said, going back to the beginning, how you hear this and how you receive this will determine how you walk in it. If it irritates you, you might be irritated when the recession comes. There's nothing more being irritated than being broke. Right? No, we have to listen. God is a sure thing. I said God's a sure thing. An investment in the kingdom of God and how he tells us to invest our money and our resources is the best investment we could possibly ever make. Like I said, people think, well, we're just trying to get, no, we're trying to get something to you. Like I said, I believe breakthrough is here for people. We don't have to be dependent upon this world system. We have to do these things, but God will supply our needs and we love that verse, but that verse was directly in connection to their giving. There was no other answer than that. Money matters in the kingdom of God. Money matters in the kingdom of God. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we'll wrap up here in just a second. I really want to read this next verse. Uh, not, th- not three verses from now I want to read. But I, I want to get to these two before we get... Will you give me another five minutes? All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse, verse 33. There's a lot of promises. Like I said, ma- money matters in life, naturally speaking, but money matters in the kingdom of God as well. It says here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? All these things shall be added to you. This whole... You ought to go back and read the whole, the whole, the whole chapter it's an amazing chapter. He's dealing about stuff. Do you realize a third, a little more than a third of the parables Jesus spoke were concerning finances, material things, either about them directly or using them as examples and, and applying applications using the subject of finances? The Bible's got a lot to say about it. But it says right here that if we'll see, he said, I know you have things you need, 
I know there's things you want, there's things you need in life. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I'll keep those things from you. No, he said, I'll, I'll get, make sure you have all of those things. It really comes down to a trust issue, which is a heart issue. Do you trust God or do you trust yourself? Do you trust God or do you trust the, the, the U.S. Treasury? Do you trust the Fed? I would say probably you shouldn't trust the Fed. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. Great promises. But if you go back in, in, the, in the same chapter, verse 24, there's a lot of warnings about money. He said here in the 24th verse, he said, no, man, no one can serve two masters. This is Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other. Oh, okay, that sounds good, Pastor Greg. Or else uh, he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. Notice the rest of the verse. You cannot serve God and money, mammon. He said, you cannot serve God and money. What's that? What's that talking about? It's talking about a love of money, serving it. Jesus said, you cannot do it. The Bible has a lot to say about the subject of money. Go over to Luke chapter four. This, this is something I hadn't read it a hundred times, million times, who knows, and just never really stood out to me. Luke chapter four. Tell me the importance of this, the fact that money matters. Matters to us, it matters to God. Luke chapter 4, the 16th through, through 19th verse, a set of scriptures we're well familiar with. So, so he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me. Now we stop right there. He has anointed me. This was such a massive declaration. This, this was a big deal. Every eye in the whole place were, suddenly were on Jesus. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. What did the spirit of the Lord anoint him to do? To preach the gospel to the poor. Goes on to say, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty to those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. None of us have a problem with Jesus coming to heal the brokenhearted. Nobody has a problem with Jesus coming, being anointed to set at liberty or proclaim liberty to the captives. Nobody has a problem for Jesus being anointed. When it says anointed, it means especially gifted by God. It means the spirit of God came upon Jesus for this reason. Nobody has a problem with that to recovery of sight to the blind. Nobody has a problem with Jesus being anointed specifically by God for to set at liberty those who are oppressed or to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Why is there such a problem with people believing that Jesus was specifically anointed and graced by God uh, to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor? That poor, the word poor there is actually talking about those who are destitute, the Greek word, I, I'm not going to even try to, to pronounce it because that would sound crazy. But it means meaning one, when it says poor, it says meaning one who crouches or cowers like a beggar. Beggarly, poor, deeply destitute, lacking earthly resources. People think, well, kind of want to whitewash it and say, that just means he came to preach to the poor, those who didn't know God. They're, they're poor in life because they don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, yeah, you're poor. You are lacking knowledge. You're lacking what you need. But this word poor specifically was poor, beggarly, deeply destitute, lacking earthly resources. In fact, one of them was a pauper. 
He came to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. Money matters. As believers, we've done the world an injustice to not speak up, not in a haughty way, not in an arrogant way, and always checking our hearts, right? And making sure that we want the, 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 not the gift, but what to abound to the person's account. We want the blessing for them, right? But to not talk about finances, we're actually cheating the world. Jesus was a specifically anointed by God to preach the gospel, the good news to the destitute. Heal the blind, set at liberty the captives. But the good news to the poor. I don't know about you, but that, that, that like changes. Like, wow, this is a major deal. Jesus came for this is one of, the, and one of the reasons. And the very first one he mentioned. The very first thing he said. The, to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, this week, uh, just the other day, Kendra and I were in the office. And she was talking about her... Uh, her life. And like I said earlier, you know, I'm not trying to get anything from anybody and, and we're not doing that. Uh, but we believe there's breakthrough here uh, on the subject. God wants you to, to move up. And no matter where you are, you can move up. Kendra was talking this to me this week. We were, know what we were talking about, but she said when she moved here before, I think her, were you and Steve dating? No, before they were dating, Steve didn't even know yet, didn't even know Kendra Rothar existed. So she had moved here, and so she was working, uh, working at UF, and she had a job stamping uh, loan documents, you know, eight hours a day. Denied, granted, denied, granted. What a terrible job, you know. And so she did that for a while, and she hated it. So then she got a job working next to uh, Leonardo's 506 or whatever it is, and a hair salon there. So she got a job working at a hair salon, and so she didn't have any money. She said she was broke. She would, um, did you ride the bus every day? She rode the bus every day, and she had a budget of $1 a day to eat on. Now, no, back then, like 60 years ago, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, no, whatever that was, what, 25 years ago, 10 years, five, 10 minutes ago. Uh, you know, uh, I better be careful. You know, a dollar back then did more than a dollar does now. I mean, you know, a dollar now, if you, eat a, if you try to eat on a dollar, I mean, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what you can get for a dollar. I don't even know. I mean, what? A, a single saltine cracker, maybe. I don't know. Um, but she would go, you know, to, she had a dollar a day and she would go to Crystal Five days a week with that dollar and get her a crystal, a couple crystal sandwiches, five days a week. That's right. I mean, your arteries are going, right? I mean, like, please, that's terrible. But all she had was a dollar a day. And so she did this and just did this. She said she didn't have anything, didn't have any finances. And she was just like, wow. I said, well, I said, well, look where you are now. God has blessed you. You guys are about to build a beautiful house and a beautiful community. You talk about transformation happening in your life. Well, that just happens because, you know, because I'm getting older and getting wiser. There's a lot of older people who are not wiser. There's a lot of people who are wise and yet they're broke. I know people, some of the smartest people. I know my dad talks about the guy that he went to school with was the smartest guy in their class. And he had a con- congressional appointments and all, everything in life was going for him at, at almost 70 years old today. He is not prosperous. He's not prosperous at all. The gospel is there for the poor. The gospel was sent to the poor, those who don't have enough. That's part of the gospel. 
That's part of the gospel for you and I. If nothing else this morning, we're going to get into some more things eventually. God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous. That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. He sent his own son to pay for it. Why don't we stand up? <laughs> I tell you what, it's the good news to know you don't have to be broke anymore. There was a song we used to sing, I'm not broke anymore or something like that. I've had a little, I think it was one of Pastor Ike's songs, right, that he wrote, yeah. That's part, that's part of the gospel. Gospel to the poor. Everybody say, God wants me blessed. Every person, God wants me prosperous. If you can't even say it here, you're never going to walk in it. If you can't begin to boldly declare and get excited about the fact that God, well, forget the past, forget what's happened, forget where you find yourself right now, who said what and did what, forget all of that. The Bible says, I wish that you, brethren, I wish you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants me blessed. That's not a greedy thing. That's not a selfish thing. That's a God thing. Yes, some have abused it, but if you do it God's way, there's no abuse in it. You've heard the saying, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. You've heard that saying, it's kind of a cliche saying, but it's true. It's not about hoarding it up for yourself, but the the Bible is very clear. Those who are free with it, God is free with them. Paul writing to the Philippians, you've been free with me. You've gone above and beyond. They, They gave him an offering he could restart his life with. Not just go out and buy a ham sandwich or go to Crystal, right? I mean, you know, enough to restart his life. And he said, man, I I want the fruit that abounds to your account. God's going to supply all of your need. God's going to supply all. And when when it's according to his riches and glory, that goes just beyond the bare necessities. Right? God wants you blessed. I believe this year, you know, when we, the beginning of the year, we went to Randy Greer's meeting uh, uh, in Pensacola. Then again, we were in, uh, in Gatlinburg with him. Both times, the Lord specifically dealt with him to talk about finances for this year, the issue of finances. And he talked about other things, but one of the services in each of those, he talked about money and talked about resources. I believe this year, even in the midst of a lot of chaos, the will of God, the plan of God is for his kids to come right on out of it. And not just so we can say, hey, look at us. But we can say, hey, come on up here with us. Come on, come on, hey, hey, yeah, see, it worked for me, right? See how it's working for me? Why don't you come along with me? Yeah, yeah, see, the things that you made fun of last year, listen, this is what it looks like when you don't make fun of it and you start walking it out. And, And listen, you can have it too. That's the gospel to the poor. I believe this year is a year God wants us to move out. Even even those of us who have known a level of of prosperity, he wants us to step out of those. It's not a dollar or a figure. It's, It's a position in life so that he can promote you in so that there's more that he can do through you. The devil wants us broke because nobody wants to hang out with broke people. The world doesn't want us to be like us if we're broke. 
You, we li- I know we got to stop. We live in a culture that is consumed with celebrities. You know why? It's because they got money. People following them on Instagram, following them on Twitter. They can, they can say their opinions on things. What makes it? Because you can act like somebody else. Because you're good at being somebody else means I should listen to you. People do that because they're successful and they got a lot of money. Isn't that true? What do you think if a believer who had his heart right and is successful in Christ, blessed in Jesus, do you, don't think, do you think that would be attractive to the world? It'll be attractive. And God wants to use you for that. He wants to do that in your life. Amen. God wants us blessed. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.